So welcome to the Expert Edge. Today, I have a really amazing interview for you. We're chatting with Andrea Ames, and she really is a client experience uh, strategist and expert. So what that means is uh, she helps people to really onboard their customers and clients effectively. So for example, if you've got a membership, a course, a coaching program, even if you're doing one-on-one coaching, the experience that the customer has is so important to the longevity of your business. And in fact, I think for most coaches and experts, they they really don't have effective onboarding experiences. And that's what we're gonna be covering today. And so I think you're gonna get a ton out of this, especially if you haven't really thought as strategic as you could about the onboarding experience. And what this is gonna do is it's gonna create clients and customers who not only stay in your programs, but they start referring your programs, they renew into your programs, and they just rave about your programs. And that's what today is all about. And so today we've got Andrea Ames. She is an absolute expert and just a gem to have a conversation with. We're going to have a whole lot of fun today. Uh, So buckle up, let's get into it, talking all about creating a wow journey for your customers so they refer, so they renew, and they uh, rave about your programs. Let's get into it. You are listening to the Expert Edge Podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. Andrea Ames, welcome to the Expert Edge. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Colin. Now, I'm excited for this conversation. I think it's going to be really powerful for all the listeners uh, because we're obviously talking about the topic uh, of creating an amazing customer experience and customer journey. And I think that this is more and more going to get be so, so relevant, especially if you want to be in this game long-term. I know for me, uh, I definitely don't want to be a flash in the pan. And I think that in this coaching and expert industry, there is uh, a lot of people kind of like, you know, starting their businesses, but if you want longevity and you want to build profitability in your business, then you've got to look after your customer well. So uh, Andrea, tell the audience a little bit about why you feel like really retaining and amplifying the customer experience is essential and relevant right now. I've kind of given a few two cents, but what, what are your thoughts on why that's relevant right now as a coach, as a content creator, et cetera? It's such a great question. And um, for me, I think there's a, there are a couple of things. You obviously mentioned a couple that are really important. I also think that for folks with expert businesses, we are often told it's all about the marketing. It's mm-hmm. all marketing and launching and marketing and launching and marketing and launching. Um, I'm not a marketing person right? That's not my thing. And I know a lot of folks like me who get really tired when they think about launching. It's an exhausting thing. Being out there marketing is, feels like a hamster wheel sometimes. And what happens when you deliver a truly excellent experience for your customers is that you build what I call authentic advocacy. Uh You start to get customers who are not just renewing, so you're getting the retention. They're not just renewing, but they're referring and raving. And I think that is kind of the secret sauce, right? I want somebody else doing my marketing for me. And it really doesn't take much. Um, I have, I did a workshop last year and I showed up in a few groups and somebody would mention something about onboarding And someone who had been to my workshop would say, oh, Andrea has a workshop on that. They didn't even say it's a good workshop. They, I mean, they just said, Andrea has a workshop on that. Boom, sold five more. I mean, it's the, the whole word of mouth referral thing. If somebody is willing to open their mouth and speak about your product, that says something very uh, powerful to the people who are listening. It's so powerful, isn't it? Like I think about, programs that I've done, you know, if someone I know who I trust refers the program or the person, you know, like that does 99% of the selling. 
And so if you can build an amazing customer experience uh, for all of your products, then I, yeah, I definitely think that your, not only your sales will increase, but you know, the integrity of your brand and, and all that yes. sort of stuff. So we wanted to talk about onboarding uh, mm. today because I think that's going to be really relevant. And I think it's going to be relevant even if someone does one-on-one coaching, if yes. they have a product, if they have a membership, especially if they have a membership or a group coaching program or a mastermind or something like that, it's going to be really relevant. But I think it's relevant for everyone in this expert industry. So talk to us about the philosophy of onboarding and, and uh, you know, how it all works. You know, I think of onboarding as um, someone has showed up on my doorstep and they have knocked on my door and I am opening the door. And the question is, how am I going to greet them? How am I going to bring them into my home? How am I going to find them a comfortable place to land? How am I going to make sure that they are well taken care of while they're visiting? Do I give them some tea or coffee? Do I, you know, give them a snack? And how do I make sure that they are having an engaging conversation? right? They're not showing up just to sit in my living room and stare around the room, right? And so for me, I love that, um, that metaphor, because if you come to my house, you're going to get a hug. I mean, even in COVID times, you're a hugger. I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. My sister, I love a good hug. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, My sister came over today and uh, she was just traveling and we're in each other's bubble, but she was traveling and I went to hug her as I normally do. And she like put her hands up and had to push me away uh, because I forget even in, you know, these kind of strange, strange times that we're living in. So I think that um, one of the biggest mistakes that people with online programs make is, well, they bought, I've got a thank you page and a welcome video. Isn't that enough? No, because basically what you've done is you've opened the door to your house and turned around and walked away. They haven't even stepped over the threshold yet and you're kind of ignoring them. That's so so, true. Yeah. It's like you've opened the door, they walk in and you're like, so yeah, (laughs) you're on your own now. Exactly. I used to call it pushing them off the cliff. It's not quite as bad as pushing them (laughs) off a cliff, but it is saying you're on your own, figure it out. Need to use the restroom or find a place to sit. And people are uncomfortable. Like I think about going to someone's house. If they just disappeared, you kind of feel uncomfortable. You're like, do I, do I sit down here? Do I, am I allowed to have this drink that's out for us, but I'm not sure if I can pick it up yet. Exactly. And Hey, by the way, put your, close your dog in the bedroom because you know, he's, he's uh, kind of obnoxious. Yeah. I think that the, um, the metaphor works really well. And so that is a really big mistake that I think many of us make, especially with an online program. And so I like to think about an in-person interaction with people when I think about what onboarding should be like when mm. I think about and it. So what could that look like? Like give us some best practices because I know that you've got, and we'll go through it soon, but you've got like seven pillars of building what you call a wow journey. Yes. Um, and the first pillar is onboarding, right? So the there's six, pillar. More, six more pillars to create raving and, and raving fans that, you know, refer you and retain. Yes. Uh, but I'm curious, like what are some best practices? Like if I am a course creator or a membership owner, what are some best practices that you notice in the industry from your consulting um, and just your experience, which is incredibly depth uh, in depth in this area, that, that some best practices that people could start implementing right away? So I think the first thing is that we don't really um, take enough advantage of that thank you page. There are a lot of things you can do with the thank you page, like giving people some next steps to jump into your Facebook group to log into the portal or to at least set expectations. For me, even if I am going to walk away from the door, I'd like to at least say to the person, hey, come on in and have a seat over here, Mm -hmm. right? So I want to set some expectations. I want to give people an idea of what to do next or what they're going to see from me next in email. Like you said, don't let them stand around feeling awkward. 
give them something to hang their hat on. Mm. Um, so that's one thing, really setting expectations and making sure people know what the next step is. They're new to you. They're new to your program. They don't know what your portal is. I mean, you can't make any assumptions. And onboarding, that's the key. Don't make any assumptions about what they know, what they've done before. Make that sure is so really true. I, I feel like, because I know for me, sometimes, um, you know, I've had team members occasionally say to customers, oh, and they just log into Kajabi. And I'm like, I'm like, they don't know what Kajabi is. Like, that's an industry term. Like, we need to use terms that they would understand, right? And that was, that was more when they were just getting started, you know, like, and they're getting, you know, my team members are getting familiar with even our platform. And they're like, oh, just log into Kajabi. And the, and the customer's like, what is Kajabi? <laughs> right? It's like, oh, no, it's your thing. Log and into it's the not even like a, a word. So yes. it's like this weird thing that you've never heard of before. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, not making assumptions, mm. um, setting clear expectations. What does that look like? I think this is really important. Talk to us more about expectations. Um, I think it's really important for folks to know what's coming next. If if your email, so here, here's a, uh, a little catchphrase from my corporate days, which is under commit and over deliver. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I don't have hundreds of thousands of people on my email list. My email that responds to people is probably going to be pretty fast, mm -hmm. but I tell them, if you don't get something from me within 24 hours, don't say you're going to get it in 30 seconds because you're going to then get a million emails and people are going to think, oh, what a horrible experience. Like I didn't get your email. So under commit, if you don't get an email from me within 24 hours, send to, you know, support at, um, but you're going to get two emails. You're going to get one that has your receipt. You're going to get another that has a login to the membership portal. When you get in there, I'm going to give you more instructions. And that's the other thing. You want to set expectations, but don't try to set out a year's journey mm. worth of expectations at one time. Yeah, It really needs to be in bite-sized pieces. So what it, you're going to get two emails from me. These are the two emails. Great. In the email about logging into the portal, for example, hey, here's the link for logging into the portal. Your password is your email address for now. When you get in there, I'm going to show you some instructions for how to change it. That's all I tell them. Great. Mm. They log in. I tell them how to change their email address. And then I give them some more instructions. So one, two, maybe three things at a time, because especially if it's new to them, they're not going to be able to remember it. You're just you're just, uh, uh, again, what I used to tell my teams in corporate is you're just filling up a big old garbage bag with cognitive load and you're making them carry it around, right? Just, Why would you want to do that? Yeah, just overwhelming <laughs> them. Because I, I agree. I feel like um, one of the biggest enemies is overwhelm, uh, especially when, you know, if you're building a signature course, there's a lot of content in a signature course. Yes. And uh, sometimes we think more content's cool, but it's also more content's completely overwhelming for people sometimes. And so it's kind of like Hansel and Gretel. It's like little little crumbs and you're dropping the crumbs and you want them to follow along the That's way. Right. That's right. And the more, um, the more customized you can make it to them, the better. Mm. That's more and more becoming a technology question. Yeah. But I always encourage my clients to design their experience as if technology was not a barrier because then we can start to compromise away from an ideal perhaps, mm. but I have that ideal in mind, not, well, you know, let's just shove everything at them instead. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd like to parcel that out in bite-sized pieces. I'd like to drip it based on whether they've completed something or not. I'd like to start them in the middle of the journey, because there, this person happens to be more experienced. Now, I may not know how to actually implement that on a membership platform in a technology, but if I start designing at that level, then I can dial back mm. where I need to, where the technology starts to bring in some realistic constraints. But I am at least then getting the best experience I can get for the technology that I have. Mm. So I think it's really important to 
um, to really think big when you're designing the experience in terms of making it as custom as possible, making it as bite-sized as possible, making it as, um, hmm, what word should I use? I don't want to sound manipulative, but I like my experiences to train my customers. Oh, hundred percent. I think you need to train them. Exactly. You want them to, again, it's expectation setting. How do I want my customers to show Mm. up in my community? How Mm. do I want them to participate? How do I want them to show up on live calls? If I have them, all Mm. these things, how do I want them to consume my content? All these things are going to contribute to their experience. And as the expert, you should know what is going to give them the best experience and help them make the right kind of progress. Mm. Now, that's so true. I think like with the whole thing of like, you know, under promise over deliver for me, contextually with the onboarding, it, it reminds me of even the start of a presentation when you actually pre-frame how mm. you want the audience to engage with the content, how you want yes. them to show up, what to expect. And it kind of, yeah, just sets the expectation, right? And so um, would you recommend even in that, you know, that initial thank you video or, or at least the intro video framing up like how to get the most out of it in terms of like the values that, that they need to bring to show up for the program? I think you can definitely communicate values to them. I would probably wait until they get logged in before I started doing yeah. much in the way of logistical kinds of expectations. But I think that that welcome video on your thank you page communicates so much the way you're showing up, right? And in fact, when you said, Colin, that like the pre-framing, I was thinking about how you structure a presentation. Mm. And that intro is, it's meant to like engage them, right? From Mm. really from the heart Mm. to get them drawn toward you, to connect with you as a speaker. And that's what you want them to do. You want them to connect with you and your values and the the new identity that your program is going to provide for them. And you can get that in a very fast, like under two minute intro video that's just going to really get them Mm -hmm. excited. I love that idea. So on the intro video, the thank you video, it's like celebratory. So you celebrate them, but you also like, uh, encourage them about this new identity that they're stepping into this next level and what that looks like. And then giving them just a really simple next step so that they don't get overwhelmed. Exactly. Mm. That's exactly. Yeah. I love that. Uh, in terms of the, let's have a look at your seven pillars, because I know, you know, you help a lot of course creators and coaches. You also help literally like the biggest companies in the world, like Google and so forth with their customer experience as well. And so talk to us about, take us through just at a high level first, the seven pillars and what, what they are. Excellent. So the first one, as we mentioned, is outstanding onboarding. And that's really about, I'm going to throw out another corporate term. That's Don't get too t- corporate on me. I'm not going to get too corporate on you. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to still escape that world. My, yes, my, Sarah I know. always says it's, to me, she's like, Colin, that's too corporate that word. <laughs> it sucks you back. It's a relentless vacuum. Um, Never going so, back. <laughs> <laughs> indeed. So uh, outstanding onboarding is really a, the time between I gave you my credit card number and I pressed pay, and the time when I, your customer, believe that I have received some value. Hmm. And so that time, we call it time to value in the corporate world. Time to value. You want that to be as short as possible. Now, it doesn't have to be, I've reached my ideal, you know, future identity level of value. It can actually be something small but it needs to be something recognizable by your customer. Mm. So onboarding is not just a logistical thing. And I think that's another mistake that people make thinking it's just about the logistics. I need to make sure they're not sending me all kinds of support email because they can't get around in the portal. (laughs) Yes. And right. It's more than that. So just about the wins. Cause I think this is so key is I know for me, my philosophy, I'm like, how, what's the shortest time that I can get 
my customer to get the money back that they just invested? Like, like what's the shortest point or at least that, I mean, that's the kind of the bigger goal, but at least just feeling like they're getting clarity in terms of what we can help them with. Exactly. And getting a small win Mm. and you showing them, Hey, what could that be? Like, what could a small win be? What's an example? So like in a course um, or something like that. Yeah. So I, so I had a group coaching program for corporate employees Yep. and it was a year long program. And one of the things we did was um, quarterly planning for them to meet career goals and build yep. leadership and so on. And interestingly, their first small win was a very going through a very simple planning process that gave them their first set of goals. Mm. Ooh, you have your plan. And then I could tell them you're like, see how simple and easy that was. You're a third of the way there. Mm. Like 30, 33%. That's pretty good in a short period of time. Now, depending on your program, um, that could be anywhere from a day to 30 days. I'll give a big, like an annual type coaching program. I'm pretty lenient. <laughs> if I'm setting up the rules, I'm going to give you 30 days yeah. to get that kind of engagement. And it turns out, interestingly, that if you can um, ensure that you get some kind of positive client interaction, engagement, or result within that first 30 days, then on average, that actually triples your customer lifetime value. Mm. So if you've got a course, let's say you've got a six week or an eight week course, you don't have 30 days to get Mm. that kind of engagement, to get that kind of result. You really need to plan your course out so that in that first module somewhere, they're getting something more than just an intro and a bunch of Mm. concepts and logistical stuff, right? Mm. So where is the small win? And really the small win depends on the journey. What's your program promise? What are the stages of the journey that you want folks to go through? So there's a model for it, but it's really the actual individual wins are going to be dependent on each person's content, what they're trying to accomplish for their customers in their program. That makes sense. So for me, what's coming up is when I'm designing my course or that onboarding experience, it's not about just logistical transfer of information and understanding the rules and engagement, all that sort of stuff. It's what's one small thing that I can get them to do where psychologically they at least feel like they're making some progress. Yes, exactly. And there are multiple different ways to do that. Um, Some courses use games like a bingo card. Mm. Stu McLaren's membership uses a bingo card. He actually uses it in another course he has, which is really fun. I use challenges. I know a lot of people use challenges for marketing. I use them for onboarding. Mm. I want people to get in. I want them to see some very small actions, get them to a very concrete goal quite quickly. Um, You know, sometimes one of the challenges I use in my programs is what I call an assessment challenge. Mm. And again, it can take 10 minutes, even <laughs> if you had a really complex assessment, maybe 20 minutes mm. and somebody will have discovered something about themselves. Mm. That's going to be something that again, psychologically, they're going to feel like they got something. They got mm. some insights that it could feel like a very concrete win for them and take very little time. Oh, so so it could be the thing that positions them along the journey. And tells you, you know, it's like where a placement exam, right? Tells you where they are. And they just got, woo, I'm in phase three. I thought I was like way back at the beginning, but I'm in phase three out of five. Like how yeah. awesome is that? So they feel great. You get to an opportunity and, a, and an excuse to celebrate them. They get to think, feel like they've made progress because they kind of have. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's just so many psychological benefits to, uh, to doing that kind of thing. And it can set your whole program up. If you want to incorporate game mechanics, can set your whole program up to be very fun, very engaging. Mm. Talk to me about game mechanics. What, what does that look like? Yeah. So game mechanics are things like keeping points, having leaderboards, giving gifts, 
bingo card. So you can, it can be actual games like bingos, bingo games and scavenger hunts and that sort of thing. But things like challenges where you're keeping track of the, the progress that people are making. Um, I love leaderboards and it's very interesting. You have to be a little careful because um, things like leaderboards can set up competition mm. and a lot of people don't like competition. And then some people are, I'm a crazy competitive person, mm. but there's a whole, um, there are 16 motivation types. One of them is called vengeance. And it's actually a motivation to like knock other people off the board, mm. right? If you're playing a game, they'd be the guy that's trying to send you to jail or whatever. I only have that when I'm playing Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere else, I'm fine. As soon as I get on the Monopoly table, I'm like a machine. But anyway. <laughs> well, that's high vengeance in Monopoly. <laughs> but if you don't want to um, encourage that, one of the things that I do is I set up ways you can set up um, circumstances so that I get points, Colin, if I help you move forward, hmm. right? Then I'm not competing hmm. with you. Um, I'm actually, you get points because you moved forward. And I How get could you keep track of this stuff? Like if you have, you know, let's say you got a hundred people or 200 people in your membership. How do you keep track of that? What does that look like? Yeah, that's where it gets tricky and yeah. where technology starts to really play a huge role. So my programs have historically all been small, like under 50 people. Yeah, yeah. And so my assistant and a Google sheet is uh, yeah. how we've done most of that. And that's but very doable. Like the good old fashioned manual. Yeah. Right? I mean, anything under a hundred people, you could, you could have a Google sheet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Once you start getting over that, there are actually platforms as one called Experienceify. There's um, member vault is a platform that has some gamification point right. system in it. Um, a lot, of, a lot of people use Kajabi, um, in my audience use Kajabi. Uh, they've mm. got assessments, right? Like, I mean, we we've used yes. assessments before and things like that. Yes. Um, I think that's kind of their main, one of their main functions. Do you know of any other things in there? Um, I don't know of any other things, but it would surprise me. Kajabi is very, uh, the team is very actively developing the platform. Yeah. And it would surprise me if they're not adding more of that kind of more thing gamification. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. This is great. I mean, for me, it, it brings up the idea of like even a self paced challenge of like maybe it's a simple like worksheet that they download and it's got, you know, a two week a two week challenge where they have to get through a certain amount of content and then they have to like, you know, do one or two tasks. And that could just yes. be as simple as post a question in the Facebook group, um, you know, engage someone on the Facebook group or turn up to a call and ask a question, right. like, like some simple, that's what's coming up in my mind of like just simple, simple things like that. And I know, I know for me, even in programs that I'm involved in, if I ask a question of the mentor, um, I feel like whether I whether I get value or not, I actually feel like I'm getting value because I'm because I'm actually just engaging in the program, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm using it. Yes, and uh, you know, it's it sounds very trite, but you absolutely get out of these programs what you put into 100%. them. Hundred percent. And engagement, which costs you nothing but time, mm. pretty much, right? Showing up for live calls, asking questions responding to things in the Facebook community and so on, that act of connection mm. can be huge. It can make all the difference in terms of how you show up for yourself and for the other people in the community. It, it can just make all the difference. And suddenly you've got a, a community where you really feel nurtured and you feel safe. Mm. You can ask your dumbest questions, all of that. And that makes your whole experience and how much you retain, how engaged you are. It'll just make your whole experience completely different than if you're lurking, you're kind of self-pacing your content and you're not paying attention to what's going on with live calls in the community. Yeah, absolutely. And I know for me, I was listening to some stuff um, recently and the guy was talking about uh, the fact that engagement in your customers, like weekly engagement, whether that be an email reminder, a text, um, you know, notifications, like the more, the more uh, 
engagement you have with the audience or sorry, not audience with the customers, um, the gr way greater retention, the way greater referral, like there's so much more positive benefits to rather than going, they onboard and then you just like never ever email them or don't do any coaching with them or like don't have a Facebook group or don't have any sort of like connection with them. Right. Yeah. yeah. So true. So, so we, that's onboarding yeah. and more. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. So, that's so we've one. covered one. <laughs> we may need a two-parter to cover. Oh all yeah, we're seven. gonna need a nine-part series for this. <laughs> nine-part um, series. So, so take us through at a high level. Just tell us yes. what the seven points are, and then we might dive into one or two of them. Yes. Excellent. So <clears> that was outstanding onboarding. Number one. Number two is focused foundation, and this I consider to be potentially part of onboarding. Um, and it's sort of a cross between logistics and actual content. It's what is your program? Like at a high level, what are the modules in your course? What are the topics that you're going to be covering in your coaching program? What is the setup for the coaching program? Is it, you know, twice a month, we're gonna get together for 90 minutes. Um, you know, you're going to get to ask questions beforehand, apply for a hot seat, or maybe it's in real time. So it's really the, it's some logistics and some conceptual stuff that give people a flavor for what's a day in the life of your program like, mm. and what's the big picture arc of your content, the topics. So that's number two, focused foundation. Number three is consistent cadence. And if you have a course that's going to be like, are you dripping it? How frequently, how frequently do they get to interact with you, ask questions, et cetera. If you have a membership, it's, you know, on two weeks a month, I'm going to drop content. It's going to be, you know, one week is going to be a tool and the other week is going to be a little training mm -hmm. or whatever, right? So what is your consistent cadence for the program? Mm. So it's like uh, we do we do coaching on a every other Thursday. We yes. do a peer mastermind every other Tuesday. We do a right. like kind of like a cadence. What's the cadence of your program look like? Yeah, exactly. And it's important to be consistent to a point, right? You again, you're setting expectations. Yeah, you want people to know. Oh, it's the third Thursday of the month. I know I have Collins Elite. You know, which you do. Peer mastermind. I know, which I do. And I know that off the top of my head because, <laughs> because it's consistent, right? Yes. And so that's really important. But number four, in contrast to that, is having some significant surprises. Mm. So for example, in Elite, your program, um, we just got a awesome bonus masterclass with oh, yes. the lovely Sarah Boyd. Uh, <laughs> Boy, that's going to be no good. One, no one. She's the incomparable Sarah Boyd. <laughs> and that was, I was so excited, mm. right? Ooh, it's something I wasn't expecting. Mm. It's extra. It's bonus. Um, it was, you gave us notice far enough out that I could easily schedule it in. If I needed to reschedule something, I could. So it was just, it was, a, it was significant. It's going to be very valuable masterclass and it was a lovely surprise. Mm. So there's a consistent cadence for your core uh, program elements. Uh, yeah. And then there's your significant surprises that keep people just a little off balance. Yeah. You want them to say, Ooh, look, something new just flew in from, you know, outer space and hit me. Yes. Awesome. That's going to be an amazing masterclass. Okay. So I, I love this. I love this. Um, yeah. with, with thinking about it as like when you're building out a program, you've got a foundation, which is your regular cadence, and then you pepper surprises and they could be extra classes, extra coaching calls. It could be a live experience. It could be little gifts that you send people. It could be like, all, uh, that's what I'm thinking, right? All that, all yes. that sort of stuff. All that sort of stuff that, in fact, mm. um, I'm glad you mentioned that because sending people physical things, workbooks, notebooks, mm. pens, if you have like a live experience, an event in your program, um, at the beginning of the program for new people, just don't, just don't send people mugs. 
That's what I was going to say. <laughs> no, that's, no mugs, no, no water bottles. I no have, mugs. In my house, I have an in-out rule with mugs. If I bring so one in, I have to get rid of one. I so do. now my mugs are pencil holders because I can't put another one in the It's in the so cabinet. true. But I don't know about you. I know for me, whenever I get a mug that has someone's coarse, coarse brand on it, I'm like, I don't want to sit there and like, look at your course brand while I have my coffee in the morning. So I actually said that to my, my elite students recent a little while ago. And one of the students literally made me a self from stage Academy mug and sent it to me. I have it. And I, I love it because it's my program, but I'm not sending it to anyone else because no one wants to drink out of a self from stage Academy mug. They just want to well, make I money. Think, <laughs> I think people are hoping, right. That oh, you're yeah. going to be on zoom calls. <laughs> And you're not looking at it, but everybody on Zoom is looking at your brand. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Um, so significant surprises, love that. Yes. So that's four. So we've got onboarding, your foundation, your consistent cadence, your significant surprises. Number five is consumable content. Mm. And this is not only small bite-sized pieces, but this is thinking about if you're if you have a course, it probably has a single dimension to it. It's six yeah. modules or eight modules or whatever. But if you've got a membership or a coaching program or even a mastermind where you have content, that's going to be building up over time. Mm. My hope is if you follow the, this list that you're going to be in business for decades, right? Mm. Now you have decades of content. <laughs> what the heck do you do with all that? And the number one reason that people leave memberships and programs with a lot of content is overwhelm. Mm -hmm. And so you really want your content to remain consumable over time. That means you need to understand how to design and deliver it in a way that it's scales. And so this is gets a little tricky because maybe now you have people who've been in your program, like I have Colin since the beginning, and then people who are joining this year. Mm -hmm. And so how do you make that the scalability of it and the structure and the delivery, something that works for the long timers and the new people. Mm -hmm. um, and so there, there are some thoughts there that you, what does that look have. like? Give us, give us one thought on that, what that looks yeah, like. Yeah. So one of the things it looks like is setting your content up so that it really mimics that journey so mm -hmm. that you can, yes, you can give people access to an archive, but let's say, Colin, you've got five stages in your journey, and I've been in your program since 2018. I'm on stage four, right? I'm I'm cruising along. Like, do I need to see stages one through three all the time in my face? Probably not. Mm. So maybe there's an archive. And if I'm in stage four, my profile says I'm in stage four. And all that other content is a couple of clicks away not right in my face all the time mm. for a new person. Maybe the stages two, three, four, and five content is a couple of clicks away, but stage one is really right in their face. So it's the thing that they're focused on. So it's almost like a camera lens, right? Where you're zooming out and you're, you're just adjusting that focal point to be nearer or further out, depending on what their needs are at the time. Mm. One thing that's coming up for me is uh, like, I wonder if organizing stuff in contextual buckets helps a lot as well. So uh, I know from, I've been in other programs where one of the guys did that and I thought it was really good. Like he would organize it in like, this is lead generation and this is, you know, this is um, Facebook ads and this, and it's yes. like, he might have seven lessons on it and all the lessons are different they're all over the place but contextually they fit in lead generation kind of thing exactly and i really um encourage my clients to tag their little snippets of information so they're they're small chunks in lots of different ways so it could be by topic it could be by phase or what we call stage of use Yep. So are they early in the process or later in the process? It could be also by content type. In other words, I prefer a podcast or an audio file. Somebody else might prefer a video. So now mm. I want all of the stage one Facebook ad audio content. Hmm. 
right? That's cool. Yeah. So there's lots of ways that you can um, set up your content. And again, with the right either learning management system or content management system, you can surface just the things that the user, your, your sorry, that's a corporate term, that your customer <laughs> is, is looking for or needs. Yeah. You could even set it up so that in their profile, they say, my preference is video. Hmm. Yeah. And then that's what you surface to them, but you always give them the option of one more click to take them to the audio and the text version, for yeah. example. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, so that's consumable content. I that's number five, consumable yep. content. Number six is perfect products. And you're probably thinking, geez, Andrea, I'm giving them the perfect product. Why would I need to think about more perfect products? Well, the reason that you want to be thinking about this is you want your customer lifetime value to be long. Yeah. And if you have a six-week course, you don't want it to end after your six-week course. Um, and so always, this is where your marketing skills come in. Not that you're doing uh, really overt marketing, but you are doing really overt market research. So while they're in your program, you're really listening. You're spending a lot of time really understanding what is the next thing for these folks? What do they need next? What are they saying they want next? And how can I create that perfect product that after my course is over or once they finish stage five in my membership, what, is, what does it look like to continue to work with me? Because mm. if they go through my whole course, they're successful, they get results, they're probably going to want to continue to work with me in some capacity. And so it's really thinking about what do they want? What do they need? And how can I deliver that in the next form that's going to make sense for them? So I'm not probably not going to put, take someone from a course to another course. I'm probably mm -hmm. going to take them to something more interactive, like a membership or maybe a coaching program. Yes. If they're in a membership, I might take them to a coaching program or a mastermind, something where the, it's more interactive. They're getting more mm -hmm. of my time. It's higher value from that perspective. So it's really thinking about how your pr internal product funnel is working to move them forward to achieving bigger goals and to maybe even working more with you and possibly even purchasing a higher priced offer. Yeah, when I think about it, it's almost like the journey is, it, it could be as it, it just gets closer to you is yes. part of it. So it goes from like- yes it's not involved with you to like a mastermind, ultimately one-on-one, -on -one, which would be the closest working yes. with you. And so logically what I'm seeing that journey and tell me if this kind of makes sense is like, it's like product and then there's membership and then there's group coaching and then there's mastermind and then there's one-on-one. -on -one. That certainly from a, um, a, a, an expert's time perspective. Yes. That's absolutely the way the. the yeah. Now, no, I'm not saying like, I don't think you have to have all of them. And I yeah. think it's way too overwhelming. Like right. for us, we only have two of them. Um, but, but I, I actually think, yeah, having at least two, I like the yes. idea of having like maybe a product and then a membership or a product and then a group coaching. Yeah. Or, you know, like as soon as you get to three, it definitely gets quite overwhelming. Yes. I also actually really like the idea of making you available if you're willing for one-on-ones and it can be super expensive, <laughs> frankly, it probably yeah. should be. Yeah. Um, but I think that if you're willing those, even if you only do a few, um, I know um, Stu McLaren talks about his one-on-ones. He does one a month. That's yeah. his max one yeah. a month, one day a month. And so even if that's, all you do is one a month or one every two months. It just gives you an opportunity to also be doing market research. Like I'm mm. always, when I'm talking to my clients, I'm always thinking about how is, how does what they're saying translate into their next need mm. or their next goal identity, right? Mm. Where are they trying to go from here? What would that look like to support that goal. And so I'm always thinking about that. And that is, I mean, it's like being handed to you on a platter when you have the one-on-one mm. -on -one discussion. I love that idea. Yeah. I know for me, it's a, it's about four a quarter is what I'm looking at Four one-on-ones per quarter. Um, but I love it. I so true. You do you, you, it's like, 
you know, you're talking to the, the troops at the front line going, yes. how is the content resonating? How are they applying it? What's, what's working through that process? Like, oh, I just, I love it. Um, you can tell by the questions they ask. Mm. You can tell by the order that they approach different things, how much they've assimilated, how much they've applied. Yeah, it's mm. it's crazy good intel. Mm. Oh, I love that. So, Andrea, we, we have covered some awesome stuff here. These these seven pillars. Just take it. Take us. That was through. six. Oh yeah, we take us through the, the last one. One more. Come on, give it to us. They, <laughs> I I already mentioned it earlier, and that is getting to the pinnacle is getting authentic advocacy. And that is really about, that's the referring part of your renewing, referring and raving fans. You want to get that referring part. So folks are talking about you and mentioning you and your program to their peeps. Because as you said, Colin, just even getting the word from somebody, if you know and trust them, that's going to be a huge, uh, a huge, um, it's a big step toward actually buying that particular product. Yeah. Massive yeah. step. Absolutely massive. Yeah. So for me, I'm seeing this like the six, the six stages build towards authentic ab- advocacy. Yes. Is that correct? For sure. And there's yeah. actually um, three things that I would say are the, the soup that uh, the environment that all those six mm. stages and eventually the seventh one kind of live in the way we want to look at each of those is through three lenses. Mm. One is measurement. And you really need to be able to master not only your customer's progress, but you want to measure your own. You want to be able to master measuring your own progress. What is your churn rate? What is your customer lifetime value? I use customer lifetime value, not as a transactional metric, but as a metric of the success I am having with my customer's journey and experience, right? So there's measurement. There's also this idea, what I call enlightened engagement. So part of that significant surprises, it's bringing in that engagement right from the beginning. It's maybe adding some of those game mechanics. Mm. It's reaching out to folks. I don't know if you've heard of this, but I know at least for a while, Pat Flynn used to pick a couple of people randomly off his email list, his customer list, people who were new with him, people who'd been around for a while. And he just reached out and have like a 15 minute or 20 minute one-on-one with them. Mm, that's cool. I mean, that is pretty engaged, enlightened engagement for mm. sure. So not only is he getting something, but man, people are feeling like they're getting his attention, mm. right? And that, I will tell you, you'll totally get this, Colin, because you are also a coach. People feeling seen and heard is the best engagement mm. you can give yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And then last lens of the three, so measurement, engagement, and the other is alignment, Mm -hmm. really making sure that your customer is the right customer. Um, And I, I love what you do, Colin, because you make sure that for folks who are selling through webinars and selling from stages and so on, that you are engaging and attracting the right people to be your customers. And it starts with really knowing what those people need and want, engaging them with your messaging and your stories and getting them into your world and then keeping them in your world for as long as they are aligned with what you do. And I think one of the things that the marketing hamster wheel, one of the, I think, mistakes that the marketing hamster wheel kind of makes us come away with is everyone is a potential customer and yeah. we, should, we should be trying to get everyone to buy our stuff. And I actually sometimes try to convince people not to buy my mm. stuff. This isn't really the right thing for you, but let me refer you to, Yeah, I'm serving them. I'm helping them. I want them to move forward. I want their success, but I'm just not the right person. My product isn't the right product. So I think that alignment with your customer, I really agree. understanding them is huge. Mm. Cool. So for each of these levels, what I'm hearing is like, you need to be measuring how it's going. You yes. need to make it engaging through yes. the level. And um, what was the last one? You Keeping, uh, maintaining alignment with them. Alignment. Yes. And you got to yes. make sure that the people who enter this whole funnel, this experience are the right people. 
yes. um, which is great. I love that. So good. Now, uh, if someone was wanting to implement like an onboarding experience or mm -hmm. implement some of these materials, I know that you've got a really helpful checklist that will just help to get them started. Can you yes. talk to us about what the checklist is, where they can grab it uh, and so forth? Absolutely. So the checklist is called the seven pillars of a wow journey. Hmm. And a lot of people talk about experiences. I think that's getting kind of overused. I love the idea of journey because it's not just throw me into a big environment and I will experience it, but it's curate something for me, design something for me. The journey includes everything and it's curated and designed. So I really like that concept of a journey mm. as opposed to just a big experience because in a journey, as the designer of that journey, I can make sure it's mm. a productive one. And you can get that at andreaaimes.com slash pillars. And that checklist will give you the top uh, considerations in each of those seven stages nice. for you to be thinking about to make sure that your onboarding and so on is tip top. Oh, I love that. So Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A, Ames, A-M-E-S, dot com forward slash pillars with an R yes. pillars pillars P I L L A R S that Love is it. pillars as opposed to pillars 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 I don't think I can say it as well as you do my Australian accent is not very good <laughs> <laughs> so good Andrea uh, it's a pleasure having you in our community it's been so good having you on the podcast uh, if they want to even just connect with you. Um, where's the best place for them to just connect with you? Oh my gosh, probably Facebook mm. or LinkedIn. Um, mm. uh, you can search Andrea L, my middle initial Ames on either platform and you will get me. Um, you, If you go to andreaames.com, there'll be links to my social profiles. And um, uh, yeah, I think that's nice. probably the best place. So good. It's been such a cool conversation to talk about like the onboarding experience, but even more than that, the, the journey, the wow journey for, for customers. And I think it's going to add so much value. And, and for me, this is an important conversation to have because it, it continues to build the integrity of the expert industry um, and make it something, you know, that is, that is seen as a really reputable um, experience for people, which is what I'm all about. So uh, yes. thanks for coming on here. It's been an absolute pleasure. And for anyone you've been listening. I trust you've got a lot of value from today. So make sure to leave, go down the bottom, take 30 seconds, leave a five-star review for us uh, and also leave a comment. Um, I'd love to hear what's been most valuable from this episode today. And uh, I'm always on Instagram. So take a screenshot, share it in your stories. You can tag Andrea and you can tag myself. We'll, we'll leave our links down there. Uh, and uh, I'd love to hear how you thought today's session was Bless you all. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon next week. Bye for now. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step -step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.